about following the procedures and doing what you're told, is there any role at all for creativity in an environment like the armed forces? The real nub is how you apply those in a creative way to win whichever battle or struggle that you're trying to beat. Having moral courage to make hard decisions is, uh, I think, required categorically in the corporate world and in business. Hi, and welcome to The Common Creative. My name's Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And we're on a journey to unpack creativity to make it as common as a paperclip. And today we have a special guest, my big brother, Mick. So Mick has had a many and varied career. Mick, for uh, some of his career was an ag science teacher. He has been a board director, a salesperson, a business development manager, as well as small business owner. And for most of that time, he was also a major general in the part-time army. So Mick, yes, I'm so excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I think the question at the top of everyone's minds is how and if creativity has a role to play in the armed forces. Our impression as outsiders, I think, is it's run on discipline. It's about following the procedures and doing what you're told. Is there any role at all for creativity in an environment like the armed forces? Uh, absolutely. In uh, in my view, in my experience, creativity is at the core of military operations, but not only at the core of military opera- operations, but in in fact at the core of running large organisations uh, such as a, a, a defence force, as the Australian Defence Force. Perhaps I should just unpack that a little. Um, let's just the best way I can explain that, I guess, is is to apply it initially to people's understanding of military operations. It people perceived that, uh, that yes, a op- military operation is based on discipline and there's no doubt that people have to be disciplined to do their job properly and they believe it's based on the very structured scientific lines, you know, following the processes. Well, yes, there is a process. There is mathematics in it. You have to have uh, you know, know certain characteristics of, of the bits and pieces you're using, but the real, the real nub is how you apply those in a creative way to win whichever battle or struggle that you're trying to uh, uh, you're trying to beat or win, if you like. Uh, for, so, I refer to military operations and indeed any kind of uh, uh, development of an organisation in, in achieving its objectives as a combination of art and science. If I just go back to the tactical situation, for example, where you might be conducting a, a military operation somewhere, maybe in some urban terrain, you'll have a number of soldiers that you'll be working with. They have certain capabilities. They have certain weapons, all of which are, are laid down processes, uh, laid down, sorry, mathematical uh, quantities, and they are trained to do certain things in a certain way. That's the science part. The art comes for the leader and, indeed, the, the, the soldiers themselves is how they apply all those resources together to achieve an objective. And there are many, there's no rules around that. There are some principles just as there are in art, for example, uh, you know, if you're going to uh, take a photograph, Chris, or Paul, you're going to paint something, you're going to understand the colours, uh, how they go together, composition and so forth, and so too in military operations. You understand, you need to know and understand the basics and, and the detail of how you apply it is a, is a creative outcome. So, so, Mick, is it fair to say that creativity has a bigger role for the leaders where they've got certain resources and they've got to be creative about how they deploy them, but down at the ranks, they need to do as they're told, otherwise the plan falls apart? Up to a point, that's right, Chris, and it will. And it's a, it's a little bit of a, uh, a spectrum. 
of course, at the you know the highest level of creativity is probably coming for the leaders and the planners and so forth. And at certain points, uh, certain points in uh, in the sequence of events, yes, the 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 operators will do exactly what they have to do. But at least in the Australian context, we encourage some initiative, provided people understand the overall picture. Because if you lock, if you have everybody locked down to lockdown step by step process, and that's what they do. And something untoward happens, and nobody knows what to do, uh, you know, because there's nothing in the playbook for that. Then it all goes pear shaped. So even at the at the at the worker level, at the at the soldier level, there is room for some some creativity to take advantage to take the initiative as as and uh, when it applies. At the same time, just as for the leader, you know, a, a leader at any level can't hair off and do something because it seems like a good idea at the time to to him or her without understanding what the big picture is. So, so how, do that- you, how do you judge when someone in that environment has been smart by being creative and, if you like, deviating from a plan or using the resources differently, or whether they've undermined the idea, whether intentionally or not, because they've decided to, to go off offline? How do you judge when someone's using creatively appropriately, I guess is the question. It, it's really about the outcomes. I mean, whatever the outcomes are, on whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And I might say this is not just about operations. This is about in, in uh, uh, operating the organisation, if you will, as well. So along the way, if you have a plan and, and people are uh, briefed on the plan and understand the plan, part of that plan is, you know, what are our expected outcomes? So, and you know, the object is this is the outcome I want you to achieve and really these are the resources you have and these are your parameters. Outside that, go for it. So those parameters are not, rigid step-by-step playbook but to say look you have to let's take an assault for example up a hill okay so i've got a section of 10 men uh, assaulting up a hill and then beside it is another section of 10 men also assaulting up the same hill part of my team right two two sections i the guys in this each section will know that where their objective is and they'll know where their left and right of arc is within that space they will operate the plan where they don't where they shouldn't deviate is outside that that area. However, that's not rigid because if we lock that in and something popped up on the left side or or something happened untoward, then they have to have the flexibility to react to that. So the answer to your question, Chris, is about understanding what the outcomes you're trying to achieve are and how well they're achieved is actually the measure of uh, of success and how much they deviate. It's it's great to hear you talking about how this relates to business, which is a, it's kind of where our focus is on this podcast. One thing that strikes me in the world of business, there are often particular teams that are encouraged to be more creative than others. So uh, the innovation team might be the ones where they're allowed to wear the black T-shirts and and um, have brightly coloured offices and, and use flip charts and so on. And the salespeople maybe or the finance teams are, are going to follow the procedures more accurately. Is there an equivalent to that in the army? Are there places where people are encu- or, or teams where creativity is encouraged more than other teams? Oh, absolutely. Um, now, and this this goes beyond uh, the start point, which is just about uh, military operations to try and give a, a context. But when you look at the organisation in, in, in the army, we're constantly evolving uh, principles uh, in, in relation to tactics. A warfare is changing and uh, there are, you know, all many organisations have small or larger groups within who may be focused on some uh, digging into and developing some innovative ideas. 
For example, in um, in the Australian Army, when uh, in during recent operational period uh, in uh, the Middle East, we had the Australian Defence Force had developed, in fact, beyond the Army, an organisation called the uh, Rapid Prototype Development Organisation, which is tasked with trying to find innovative uh, solutions to problems we we're encountering in operations. So, and that, that's a, yes. So that's a that's at a city major level. But even uh, for example, when I was uh, at uh, Duntroon on the staff there, we, we when we came up with issues around how can we better educate our junior officers, and we we put together what you might call a tiger team to look at ways in which we could achieve that. So, so, uh, so it, it, I mean, effectively, what I'm hearing from you is the army has inside it its own innovation teams, just as business has its own innovation teams. Yes and no. So there's not a lot of dedicated innovation teams to say you are the innovators. Having said that, uh, most of the areas, uh, colleges or, or uh, even units will stand up ad hoc uh, innovative teams uh, for particular projects or, or issues that arrive. What we try to take a, do is take advantage of the creativity that, that, that exists within the, within the human resource within the organisation and that while there are one or two sort of organisational-wide uh, innovative teams, innovation teams, there's, uh, uh, the innovation comes up along uh, usually, I should say, on uh, on a, shall we say, an as-required basis. Having said that, uh, sometimes a uh, an organisation may be stood up to, uh, to explore innovation over a period of time on a particular topic or in a particular area. Like uh, having said that, uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, in each of the disciplines or what we call warfighting environments, uh, land, maritime, aerospace, and so forth. Then uh, within those, there are there are working groups ongoing, and in the industry. Now, one of the things Paul and I chat about is how you train people to be creative, how you bring out their creativity, and it's often assumed to be something that you either got or you haven't. It's kind of instinctive thing. And I think our view is that everyone has a potential to be creative, but we, we're we not trained in it. We're trained to follow process, be it with academic stuff at school or in the workplace or in the army. Now, is there any... Um, is there any support for people being creative in the army? If you need people to be ingenious and to use their resources in different ways, is there any attention given that? How do you how do you bring creativity to play? What, okay. what about that? That's a good question. Okay, it actually starts uh, particularly uh, particularly for officer and, and uh, junior junior leader level in the training. Uh, I'll just step back from that one second and say that um, when, when no, I'll go on with that. So. When we're developing, or even it starts right at the selection process of young officers. Let's deal with that as an example. When when somebody applies to become an officer in the, in the army, uh, we put them through what we call a selection process. Part of that process is presenting them with a series of uh, scenarios and problems, which we encourage them to go through and uh, find solutions for, uh, either individually or, or as, as a group. So that's the sort of start point. From then on, as we develop uh, our people, our leaders, you know, we're constantly running uh, exercises, not physical exercises, we call them tactical exercises with our troops, which are actually sessions where people are tasked, given a problem, they are encouraged to come up with creative solutions to that problem and share the results of it, and then they are critiqued by, the, by each other. So the learning is a shared learning experience as well. So uh, that's an ongoing process constantly for our, our leaders, and that goes down to the junior leaders as well. 
Now, admittedly, soldiers don't get that much of an opportunity to... Um, uh, so, Mick, I'm going to interrupt you because I can see Paul's dying to ask a question. He's waving at No, me. no, no. I, I, <laughs> I was just trying to get in a question. I was actually just interested, Michael, and it's sort of not frivolous, but, uh, you know, is there creative in the, um, in the army kitchens? Um, oh, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> there, there is creative in the army kitchen, and I can tell you that uh, as I... Uh, as I grew up, some of that creativity was really required uh, when they were cooking in uh, what they used to call the old wilds cookers, which are a black metal caravan with wooden stoves uh, and having to turn out food for two or 300 people, uh, three meals a day, plus mornos and afternoon tea. And you must understand, this is the most important for you to understand, that mornos is the critical event of the day. So no mornos. Rather sad soldiers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Army marches on so, their stomach. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Mick. Do they do they still call do they still call them K rations? Or do they call no, them K rations? That's an American K? term. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We combat rations is, uh, but that's and there's a variety of those too, and they're absolutely delicious. Might I say, with my tongue in my. The, I was going to say, okay. I, I'm looking. I'm looking for your eyes right there. Is, is well, it, but it's interesting actually because the K rations. I don't know if you know, it was named after a guy Ansel Kays, who who was this genius. Uh, he wrote a book called the Biology, Biology of Human Starvation uh, in during World War Two, um, and he, absolutely, yeah. So yeah, he got he got uh, roped in by the um, it was for the paratroopers originally actually. Um, so they had to be a very lightweight, uh, dehydrated pack. So, um, but yeah, but it was a, it was a little bit you know facetious, but they do say, isn't it? Yeah, that you know the army runs on its stomach. Uh, so, uh, um, it's um, the uh, and that, and that's that's actually a good point because uh, that is where the soldiers can get creative when you get a ration pack. Um, <laughs> you uh, you learn to take with you a little bot of Tabasco, a little pot of curry, uh, and make your own uh, own meals in the in the field, uh, and then share those. I just want any 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 ferment uh, called chili sauce, so I understand all about spicing up food. (laughs) So, so just back to uh, any other avenues of people sort of developing innovation. Also, there are various um, uh, programs within Army, for example, where which are called the Army Innovation Awards, awards where soldiers are encouraged to come up with bright ideas and bring them forward up to what we call the chain of command, to so they can be explored. And perhaps developed, and those those innovative reward uh, ideas are often rewarded. So it's it's not a culture of this is the way we do it, this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way we're always going to do it. It's very much a culture of it's a, the army, particularly today's Australian army, is a is a very big learning organisation, and uh, and to the extent that we actually have quite well, they because I'm no longer there, they have uh, an organisation called the Centre for Army Lessons Learned which constantly oh. taking lessons across the organisation from not just operations but uh, 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 other just uh, day-to-day stuff and turning them into lessons that can be learned and applied back to the organisation. Mick, I, I, have, a, I have a question and it's, it's sort of really hang on, on that. Hang on, you've used, used, used two. I gave you two only. I only gave you two questions. You've used two. Oh, go on, I'm only kidding. <laughs> this is, now I'm watching the two brothers jousting. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> okay, well... Well, I think Chris used more than two, so... Uh, <laughs> 20, I reckon. Yeah, but he's not my brother. <laughs> uh, so um, there's this whole thing about, like, a playbook and the whole discipline and then, the, you know, the flexibility. You know, obviously in olden days, 
there was a way it ran a war, you know, and, you know, the soldiers lined up here and the soldiers lined up on the other side and they all just charged together and there was there was mayhem, you know. Yeah. Then at some, way, at some stage, you know, someone changed it and whilst there's still, you know, rules of law, uh, laws of, of combat or, or war, you know, if you if you played the same game, you know, then all they'd have to do is, you know, watch the re- video play of the last game and then they could say, well, we know how they're going to turn out. So there needs to be some flexibility, I can see. What I'm interested in is in this, you know, over, overly governed, you know, corporate world where if someone, you know, steps out of line, you know, that all of a sudden they can be sued or stuff like that. You know, there's obviously a process in the military uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, people get themselves into trouble. You know, is that a concern? Like, you know, does that stifle creativity and some people think, well, if I do that, I might end up for the court-martial or something like that? Is You know, is there that sort of culture or uh, is it a balance? Paul, it's a hard question to answer because, in in my view, it needs to be a balance, and it is a balance because there are laws of armed conflict, and we are bound to them. And you're seeing a lot about that in the media at the moment around our special forces folk, um, who some of whom have been challenged. And in that vein, uh, you need to try and keep a level head, but to, and and keep some balance between uh, letting that constrain you, and uh, and uh, by getting on and doing the job. And that's a little bit about having the moral courage to do your job. Uh, and sometimes the, the job comes at risk. It comes not just at physical risk, but at, uh, you know, all sorts of other risks that, such as those that you've alluded to. So um, it's not easy to give a clear-cut answer. But in order to make uh, or to enable people to do their job effectively within that, where, where there's a concern around those environments, you know, we, we, we educate them, train them, train them to think about, things like that, and, and, and look for creative ways to manage that uh, circumstance or situation. But we also, particularly as uh, leadership, where the real rubber hits the road in that area sometimes, uh, you know, we surround them with, uh, with advisors and, and what have you. But at the end of the day, the accountability is the leader's decision. And, yes, it, it is a any decision, time you're making a decision, you have to factor in not just the immediate threat but also what might the aftermath be and that's more so today than it has been for you know uh, you know uh, it's that's been an increasing pressure for people uh however we think if i can yeah if i could just jump in there because i I was very inspired to hear you talk about moral courage that becomes the kind of the compass that guides when you can perhaps should be creative or follow what what your orders were and what allows you to define what what's in the spirit of what the army is trying to achieve or whether it falls outside the rules of law and so on. And I'm, I'm thinking of how that applies to the world of business because I don't hear that concept applied very often. We're hearing businesses talk about being purpose-led. Some of them pay lip service to it. Some of them do it for real. Um, I guess what I'm leading up to is, is a question about what, what can business learn from that idea of moral courage? Should businesses be much more concerned with what they're trying to do in the world morally? Um, and if so, how? Or is that really an army thing and not relevant for business? Not at all. Very relevant to business. Uh, and, and, yes, businesses do need to be thinking about outside the, you know, you, you've probably heard the term, the triple bottom line, you know, looking for uh, all those social factors and environmental factors and so forth outside just uh, making a dollar and and also looking after your people. People sometimes doing those things uh, does take a lot of moral, moral courage, not just for business managers, you know, but also for the uh, directors and so forth for the board. And I think that's one of, that has been uh, one of the challenges for corporate uh, Australia, at least, uh, to actually sometimes come come face to face with quite challenging 
uh, I'll call them moral or ethical dilemmas as to what's the right thing to do. Do we trade off profit against, you know, the environment, for example? Or um, uh, And, yes, uh, people, the same level of having moral courage to make hard decisions is, um, uh, I think, required categorically in, in the corporate world and in business, not just in large so let, let me kind of let it, because that, that raises a really interesting question, because we, we talk about bravery in terms of creativity, that new ideas risk being ridiculed and so you need a certain amount of bravery to, to suggest a new idea but you're talking about a kind of courage which is at a whole new level moral courage and i uh, and maybe there's no answer to this but is there a way of encouraging moral courage how do you bring out the moral courage and encourage people in business or indeed in the army to to follow the morals uh, even when other things might be going wrong i think okay that that to me is is a question of the culture of the organization and it's about the organisation's values and how well those v- values are understood and how well those values are owned by the elements and people within the organisation. If people don't have an understanding of that and it's not, compl- it's not completely and continuously reinforced within the organisation, upwards and downwards, uh, as, as a measure of behaviour, people don't understand which way the compass points. For example, one of the organisations uh, I was chairman of the board of, we... We did some work around um, uh, values, this whole piece, actually. And uh, we came up with a, with a uh, well, I think we, we might have borrowed it from somebody. Maybe I should be careful. But it was a, a mnemonic that said our values are spelled out in pride. And it was, and each of those was about uh, certain characteristics, respect uh, and so forth, uh, for R uh, for respect. And that was the, and whenever we reviewed something at board level, for example, and we encouraged the, the team, the workers, workers in the organization to evaluate anything they were doing around those values. And that helped them have the moral compass. And in army, we have the same. We have a, yeah, a range of values that we, we use. Courage, initiative, teamwork. They're our values. Right. So is that, you know, I'm assuming in the army, uh, you know, like you don't often stray from that. That's reinforced quite often and constantly because in business you know often it gets lost you know in the day-to-day stuff but i'm assuming in the army that's probably one of the things where the discipline comes in to say well you know this is this is this is the structure this is you know the the courage or this is the values um is is that true yes it is uh because you know when when we have it might have a set first of all the framework is set around the values that the organization has subscribes to and that comes out all the time in communication across the organization um, and but it's because it's such a big organisation, you know, like the boss, the chief of the army can't go and talk to every individual, although he does, of course, through use, with the use of technology. But you know, at every level, whenever uh, a commander at any level is, to, or a leader at any level is talking to his people, he may well have a session to say, let's just, you know, let's have a look at what we've been doing last bit of time. Uh, is there any issues around? Around? You know, was that the way? Does that fit with our values? I'm not. It's not a structured thing. It's not. Um, it's just that is part of the leadership culture and the learning culture that, that exists, or it is. They they strive to have it. So, uh, Mick, as somebody that's seen a highly structured, disciplined organisation like the army and business as well, what would you like to see business do more of? Uh, that based on your experience of the army, what 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 are we missing out on? Um, here I am sitting in informal clothes. I've worked in big companies, small companies, but I, I've no idea how the army works. So what, what could we embrace? What should, what can we learn from in the army? I think 
I think the answer, Chris, is uh, a complex one uh, because albeit there's a lot of parallels, a lot of lear- learnings that can be taken from uh, from a military context in a business, and I have myself applied them over a long period of time. I think the thing that I would push is that word think. Organisations need to think about what they're doing, why they're doing it, what are their values, and how does that all work together to achieve their outcomes. And having got all that in place, to, to have a proper planning process uh, throughout the organisation, and a planning process isn't just about planning, it's also about executing, feeding back, and, and the bottom line, the very bottom line, and all of that, one word, communication. If the, the thing I see in business where, where things fail is communication. Up, down, sideways, inside, outside, people hold on to information, people uh, uh, don't share, they don't pass concerns up, something happens, you know, doesn't get, doesn't get passed up, can't be reacted to. So if you, if you would ask me for a one-way answer, what, I, what are my learnings from a life in the military that I would take to business, it's communication. Love it. Not, not that we don't have it perfectly in the army, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> now, um, I'm gonna. It's a quick, a quick bolt onto that question, um, uh, um, which is about women. Um, that business is, is sort of transforming itself uh, at last to be much more of an equal opportunity place, and I know the army is doing the same. Uh, but my question relates to communication. Uh, is there any evidence that uh, having more females in the army would actually improve communication because they're better at expressing themselves and better at um, saying things which perhaps men wouldn't dare to say? Um, I'm pondering that for a minute, Chris. Uh, I, I can't give it. There's no evidence to my knowledge, uh, but to either way. I mean, there's nothing in my mind either way because within the army uh, – for example, uh, they, the training, the development is the same. There's no gender bias in the training and development at all. And so, you know, somebody who has the right characteristics uh, will get the right uh, education, right development. Um, having said that, intuitively, I guess, and from an experience base, I know, uh, and from an observation base, I know that the advent or the uh, women coming into the army, I'm going to talk particularly about army, not, not the broader uh, military, uh, has had, in my view, a positive impact. Uh, in the early stages of uh, women joining the army, there was a lot of resistance from the boys' club, and there was there was some real challenges around that. But the women who have joined the army, um, by nature, because they're in that organisation, are, are strong women. And so, yes, they are somewhat forthright. But I don't know, and that has certainly added to the capability of the army. Uh, not just the fact that they're forthright, but the whole whole equation of having a, a mixed organisation. Uh, but to say that, you know, I wouldn't like to categorically say uh, that yeah, they've uh, just because they're women, they're more forthright or something, although I am married. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, Mick. I feel like we risk going into a very dangerous area of uh, territory, but it, yes. but it struck me that communication is a, an organisation that has been much more male than perhaps most businesses have. And it'd be interesting to hear. what. But anyway, a positive impact. That's what I heard from you. Yes. Thank you very much. So, so yeah, I think we're kind of there, Mick. And I, it's been fascinating to hear how much industry and the armed forces have in common. I'm particularly excited uh, to have heard how, what a big role creativity has to play, even when 
um, soldiers are following orders and they're marching the parade grounds. And so that, that's, whoa, whoa, that's whoa, very... Whoa, whoa. Can't, can't deviate on the marching on the parade ground. No, no, not, not marching on the parade <laughs> ground. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. It seems to be the first rule is follow orders. The second rule is be creativity. It's that way around. That's better, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks very much indeed. And to our listeners who are tuning in, um, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us for future sessions of The Common Creative. Yeah, thanks, Mick. It's been great. And uh, I've, I've certainly learned some things as well. So uh, it's funny what comes out of uh, an offhand comment in one episode. Yeah. And uh, I mentioned you and we said, oh, we should uh, get, get Mick on. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Mick. And uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed that. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope it was worthwhile. Thank you.